The reading this morning is from Luke 21, verse 25. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Reading God's Word. This is Advent. I like Advent. People have asked me, I got another question a few weeks ago. Every Christmas, I'm, this is the 12th or 13th year that, of our church life that I've been doing Christmas messages, and I, I get this question periodically, which is, don't you find it hard to preach at Christmas, to come up with something new to say? Because, like, isn't it Jesus was born, everybody knows the story, and, you know, you know, you sort of wish, like, the pages were stuck together, and you opened it up, and like, oh, Jesus was a twin, and, you know, something, <laughs> something like new that, you know, you didn't, because you feel like people know the story so well, you're trying to come up. If I was preaching data and information, it would be difficult. I love preaching about Christmas and Easter every year, because I'm a different person each year that goes along, and the story strikes me differently every year, that first, the coming of Jesus in the flesh, walking in my shoes, because my shoes look different this year than last year, right? As, as do yours. The pain you've been through, the trials, and that to know that Jesus walked this path with you as he walked last year's path, it's not the same path, but that I have that Jesus incarnate, right? And same with Easter. So, so it doesn't bother me because the gospel news is the same, but who I am and respond to the gospel is really different. I like Advent, too, as it prepares us for Christmas. It's, Advent just means coming, and it's a, a season. It's not a biblical thing, but it's a, it's a way for the church to reflect this idea of a, of a cycle where we, we think about with expectation and hope and waiting the coming of the Lord and enter into that story. As I mentioned in worship, is both his first coming, but we also at this time think about his second coming. We're going to talk about that over these four weeks uh, of Advent leading up to Christmas. We will do a Christmas, uh, because Christmas this year falls on the 20th, Sunday falls on the 24th, Christmas falls on the 25th this year, interestingly enough. But um, <laughs> Sunday falls on December 24th, and people have been asking, what are we going to do? There will be a morning service, just whatever, very different than the evening service. You're welcome to come to... Obviously, one, both, neither, whatever. But we'll be here twice that day. The evening when will be carols and candlelight and sort of more traditional um, Christmas service. But they'll, they won't, won't be like the same sermon or anything. So um, allay all your fears about that. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, um, when I was a youth pastor, I noted that our youth group, which um, we... Uh, Kids were getting, it was getting a lot to be a larger group and uh, they were rowdy and they were, you know, it was hard for them to pay attention. I was trying to do something to shake them up. And so one advent, I was, tr- I was trying to get this idea of expectant waiting. And I don't like to tell fibs, but, uh, 
I, I felt forgiven in this one. I, we were an Episcopal church at this time uh, down in Central Florida. Our bishop was a Bishop John Howe, who used to be at Truro Church here in Fairfax. Great man of God, great teacher of the word. People knew him nationally and in our area. He had about 70 churches in our diocese, and he was everybody knew who he was and loved him, and he was really a big name. And so I had told them when they got there, and they were being all rowdy, and they just I couldn't get their attention. I said, hey, guys, I didn't want to tell you this, but just whatever. Bishop Howe is our speaker tonight, and he's going to be here in like five minutes. So please, can you pull it together? You would have thought the president of the U.S. was coming. You would have thought that the light, all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, oh, I better, I better use the restroom now because I don't want to miss it. I better, uh, sh- guys, guys, come on. They don't, we don't want them to see us like this. Like, you know, they were doing whatever kids do. It was middle school, high school, whatever. And he's like, let's pull it together. Let's, let's be prepared so that when he comes in, we're really ready. And I said, now you get it. He's not coming, by the way. And they were, some of them were really ticked off at me. But I said, do you see when someone is coming and you prepare how your behavior changes, your attitude changes, your heart changes, whatever? Let me ask you a question. If somebody opened the back door, just imagine with me for a minute, somebody opens those double doors in the back of the gym. We don't, maybe we don't even know who they are. And it opens up and they say, Everybody, everybody, I've got the most incredible news. What would be your first reaction? Right? What? Right? Assuming we didn't think they were dangerous or whatever, we'd say, what, what? Right? What's the news? What, what happened? Now, think about what they might say that would cause somebody to just burst in and say, hey, I got, I got news. Now, if they said, you know, I, I just got a new job, you'd say, well, that's great, but it's not that relevant to me, right? Or let's say they came in and say, you know, the Redskins won. <laughs> say, it's a miracle. <laughs> but you'd say, I, you'd say it's, it's, not, it's not only irrelevant to me, it's kind of foolish. It's foolish to interrupt something this for news like that. Just, it doesn't. It, but what if they said, all disease has been healed. Every dis- we found the cure for every known disease. And maybe you're suffering from whatever it is, and you think, really? And then they say, yeah, but it, I, I, and they could prove it was true, but, but you know, the, the, it's, it's not going to be fulfilled until a couple of years from now, but it's coming. Here's what I want to say to you this morning as we get, as we begin this Advent season is this. I think we need to be clear as to what the gospel is. Because when I hear people talk about the gospel, and, and, and I'm being guilty of this as, as too, is that it's almost like this. Guys, um, here's, here's an option that you might want to take up if you're so inclined. You're living your life this way. But here's sort of another path of life, right? It involves this God figure who's resurrected, and we go through the doctrine of, you know, all that, and, and that's the gospel. And if you, if you think you'd like to, you know, he could really help you, so take this up. You know, think about that. That's not the gospel. There's some truth in that. 
Some people say, well, you know, it's a sort of a spirituality or a, a morality that you can live a different way like Jesus did. He was really a great role model. And, you know, he died for your sins and all that. It's all true. It's true. But let me just tell you this. The gospel, something happened. News. Somebody comes in and says, hey, I got news. Something is, is different. Whether you acknowledge it or not, I don't know where you are. I mean, many of us are followers of Christ. Some may not be. Something happened that's changed the world. It's, it's, the Bible says it is just an objective fact. We read this morning, uh, uh, Joy read for us this morning, this uh, word from Isaiah, this, this uh, prophecy from Isaiah chapter 64, begins with this cry from Isaiah speaking on behalf of people who were in exile, who God had left them because of their sin and unfaithfulness to the covenant. He had abandoned their temple. He had left them. And he says, Oh, that you, God, would rend the heavens and come down. This echoes this language when we studied the Gospel of Mark of tearing apart the heavens, schizo, tearing apart the heavens at the baptism of Jesus. And the word there means we've ripped some, something has been ripped and will never be put back together as it was. And Isaiah, looking at a people who are far away from God, crying out expectantly of a God who had been faithful to them, as we looked at last week, and they look at it in the 63rd chapter of Isaiah, the idea of Moses leading the people out of Israel, and, and it, that's all recounted. He says, but we've lost that. And so now he says, Lord, would you just tear apart the heavens and come down? Shake us up, Lord. Talks about the way fire, in verse 2, where, where fire causes water to boil. It, it just makes a change in the situation and in the circumstance. So why am I emphasizing this? The gospel, you may think, well, Tim, that doesn't really, I don't know, that doesn't seem to change anything for me that the gospel is an event, is news. Let me try to give you a little bit of context of this. When, you know, we're, we're going to start uh, December 24th, you'll hear, you know, in the days of Caesar, Augustus, right? And those familiar words. Well, let's, let's jump back. Let's do a quick history lesson here because the context of where this comes out of and the gospel and why this is so important really is rooted in that. So, Ides of March, 44 B.C., right? Julius Caesar gets it, right? So, the two guys that are responsible, uh, Brutus and Cassius, responsible for his death, get taken out by Octavian, who is Julius Caesar's adopted son and, and grandnephew, and uh, Mark Antony. And so, they then... I'm skipping a lot of history, but they then war with each other for um, domination over Rome and who's going to be um, the uh, the ruler of Rome. So the uh, two of them, 12 years of battle, and Rome is in civil war during that time from 44 until 32. In 32, there's a final battle, a naval battle, where Antony, who was actually had more forces but was defeated at this naval battle of Actium, and Octavian wins, takes the name Caesar Augustus in 32. 
And, but the world, the Roman world, was huge for that period of time. And so he sends heralds out, Octavian does, and he says this, tell everybody there's a new king. As a matter of fact, they had, in 43, after Julius Caesar had been killed, retroactively they made him a god. They, the Senate voted to make him divine. Let's hope our Senate doesn't do the same thing on anyone, but you, you just, he just said, you're, you're a god. You're a god. And so Octavian said, because I'm the adopted son, I also am a god. And let him know there's a new god in town. And I, this god will be coming. I don't know how long it's going to take me to mop up here. A couple of years probably, but when I get there, I'm going to demand their loyalty and their allegiance and their taxes. There's inscriptions found all over Rome. Let me just read you one all over the Roman world. Here's one. This is what the heralds actually said, or they wrote and found this. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit mankind, sending him as a savior, Soter, that Greek word that we know so well, both for us and for our descendants, that he will end war. He will arrange all things according to himself, since he, Caesar, by his appearance, his epiphany, the word, since the birthday of this God, Augustus, is the beginning of the gospel for the world. Good news. Because it comes by reason of him. Everyone in the Roman world would have known this and would have known something like this. And so now you had a choice. Word was delivered. Everything is different now. A king has won a battle. There's a period of gap here. And then this king is coming, and he's going to reconcile and see who are his friends and who are not his friends. Quite interesting to see the way people responded. Some had already aligned with Antony and had fled because they knew what was coming. Some had aligned with Octavian, with Caesar Augustus. Some, Herod the Great, interesting, Josephus records that he says he sends a messenger. Actually, he went and he met with Octavian and said, Yes, you know I supported Anthony. I want you to know I was a loyal supporter, and you should value that because I'll be loyal to you like I was loyal to him. And Octavian said, I appreciate your honesty. I'll keep you as king of the Jews. The gospel is an event. You can choose to say it's irrelevant to you, and choose to say it's foolish. That's what the Greeks said. It's foolishness in 1 Corinthians 1. The Jews said, it's a stumbling block. It's offensive to me. The cross of Christ. But Paul said, for those of us who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. Something happened that changed the entire world both when Jesus came in the flesh, lived his life, and then was died for us, raised to life again, and ascended to his Father. Everything changed. And you say, well, how could it be that so many people live their lives like 
nothing's happened, like it didn't change. Well, Advent tells us there's a reckoning coming. That Remember that period of time where the king's coming? The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ is going to come again and that there will be a reckoning. And he's going to set everything right. And you may say, well, I'll just, I'll just wait until then. I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll deal with it when I see it. I wouldn't advise that, but let me just say, right this minute, we live in a time where the heavens have been rent and the opportunity now to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be living life now as it ever will be is possible for us because we live in that in-between time where He came and He's coming and we get to know Him now. We have the opportunity to know Him now. In faith, yes. One day, it won't take faith. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you and I have the opportunity to do the walk of faith now and to begin to have our spiritual eyes and ears open to know the one who's coming and came. And you can begin to see, and I, I try to tell people this, but it's so hard, is that you may think, I, I don't see how everything's different. I still see pain and suffering and things wrong in the world. And, and I agree. It's not the way it will be. That there is an evil one, and God still gives him permission to have authority on this earth, and, it, and it's hard, and I, I get it. But can I tell you that this life is such an opportunity for us to experience all that God has for us. And the herald has come into our doors. The double doors have opened. The herald has come in and said, Good news, everybody. The king is coming. And he's already won the victory. Over these next few weeks, we're going to look at and explore how much the Bible talks about this. How much the Bible gives to us about this gospel, about what's happened. And it's, it's not solely about preparing our hearts. I mean, I, I love joy to the world and let every heart prepare him room. But whether you prepare him room or not, God is here. Now, you'll be the poorer, we'll all be the poorer if we don't prepare him room. But don't think you're in control. You aren't. I'm not. If you have any illusions, give them up. And surrender to the one who is in control. We may not understand all his ways perfectly and why he does what he does. But I can tell you there's good, good news. Would you pray with me, please? I want to thank you that you are on the move. Lord, just like you never abandoned your people Israel, though you withdrew away from their sin, you never abandon us. You never leave us or you forsake us. Lord, I pray that we would understand that 
the good news of the gospel is the truth of God coming into this world of you in human form and then being our substitute. Living for us, dying for us. We, we thank You that this event of the cross, Lord, changes everything if we enter in, see it for what it is. Lord, help our, the view, our view of this world, our view of everything that happens to be seen in the light of this gospel of the good news. Lord, I would just specifically pray for those who have anxiety or depression over this holiday season for whatever reason that it's a difficult time. I pray for those for whom this will be the first holiday season maybe without someone they love. Or, Lord, I ask that Your coming would make a significant, tangible difference in the lives of those who are dreading not looking forward to this time and not because of the tinsel or the presence, but just because of the season. I ask by Your Holy Spirit that You would come and fill them with a sense of hope that if You came to change the world, You can come and reach in and give a sense of hope and purpose where there seems to be despair. Lord, would You do that? We cry out to You, O Lord. I just sense... I don't know if this isn't from the Lord, then, but, but if this is for, if you have that sense of the Christmas time is something that is really hard for you, would you please get someone to, to pray for you? Just get a trusted friend, brother, sister, come to me, come to one of the leaders, and let's pray and let's see that knowing Jesus in His incarnation changes everything, even this seasonal part that you've struggled with maybe multiple times or maybe it's just this year. Would you take just a minute please before we close in worship? Would you ask the Lord to just show up in your heart? Would you ask Him to come to you and speak to you? Take a minute just to speak with Him about His coming and the thanks that he came and and thanks thank him that he came